friends, Romans, countrymen, let me your ears. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very exciting episode of the MC Lars podcast. Today is Monday, June 24th. This is episode 43, part two of my Cuckoo Kangaroo series. This week, I talked to Brian Atchison, and uh, in the podcast, we debate whether I should have done the Neil interview first or second. It's funny that we kind of like realized, yes, the Neil one should have gone first. Brian should have gone second. Today's podcast is brought to you by my Patreon supporters. I want to shout out some of the new ones, Michael, Noam Chunsky, and Harmony Perry, and some of our old supporters, Rhythm Bastard, Rachel, and Jai. Rhythm Bastard actually was the guy who transcribed some of my songs for Rock Band back when you could submit and upload songs. So shout out to them. And Rachel was a PA on the Wallen video. Speaking of the Wallen video, you can go to mclars.com. TV, which redirects to my YouTube channel, and I have a playlist with all the videos from the Dewey Decibel system, which is out now. We've done some cool press for it. Nigarin and I were on the Build series. If you go to my uh, Twitter, I posted a link where they interviewed us, and then we did some songs. It was very professional up in Union Square. So we got some shows coming up. Warp Tour this Saturday in Atlantic City. A lot of big bands are playing. Blink-182, Andrew WK, MC Lars, <laughs> a lot of great other artists. And uh, I'll have my band, so come say what's up if you're there. Uh, I am playing Anime Midwest July 6th, and I'm dropping a new Kenny Power song this week on Patreon. I have a very special announcement. Basically, I had to wait till today to announce it, and I thought I'd announce it on the podcast. You'll see the links go up later on my social media. But this fall... I'm touring with the Aquabats and Cuckoo Kangaroo. Whoa, what a tour. So let me give you the dates. September 11th will be in Indianapolis. September 13th, Detroit. September 14th, Buffalo. September 16th, Charlotte, North Carolina. September 17th, Richmond, Virginia. September 18th, Boston. September 19th, Asbury Park. And September 20th, Brooklyn at Warsaw. So come see us. It's going to be a really good tour. I am a fan of both of those acts, and uh, I'm very glad to be on tour with them. So don't miss it. So today with Brian, we talk about a lot of interesting things. Like Brian and I both, our brains are going a million miles at once, and we're both always thinking about branding and the impetus for doing things and what it means to be a DIY artist. And, you know, Brian ends the interview talking about how fatherhood has given him this like new boost, like Thor's hammer, right? Like he's become invincible. And so it was a great interview. It's very different than the one with Neil, but I think they go well hand in hand. So let's get into it. This is my interview with Brian from Cuckoo Kangaroo. And at the end of the interview, we're going to play our song Superstar. Stick around for that. Thank you to the listeners. Thanks to Brian and Neil for letting me do this series on their awesome band. And thank you to you, the listeners. See you on tour this fall. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with half a cuckoo kangaroo. Brian Ashison from Hopkins, Minnesota. Hey, what's up, Brian? We're here in uh, we're here outside of Bristol. Yep. We're on our second day of our UK tour. Yep. And Lars and I, there was a little mix up with beds, and Lars and I are sharing a twin bed. Uh, it's not a twin. <laughs> it's probably a, a couple. <laughs> We'll be sharing a bed tonight. A twin is when you have, it's called twins because they're single beds. There's two of them. But at least it's clean. We'll do military style, foot to f- head. What's that mean? Military mm-hmm. style is where you have one, you'd sleep with your head facing the wall and I'm facing the bedboard. So then we're not facing each Like you don't turn and actually like see my snoring face. Are you going to snore? I don't know. 
I thought that we're going three inches from the mic. Hey, I did Fred a lot in a Rochester interview. We, they interviewed all of us for the Nerdcore tour, and he goes, they said, what's your inspiration? And, and Damien wrote, Lars's musical snoring when he goes to sleep every night in the hotel room. Like, you never say I snored. You're going to tell Rochester? Now I'm telling yeah. all the listeners. The one thing I know about from touring together and is that when you, you type, but you put your headphones in so you can't hear yourself typing, you like slap bass I kill the this. space bar it's like whap, whap, blah, blah, whap, 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 whap. maybe you, that's why my space bar doesn't work that well anymore <laughs> it's probably destroyed why because I'm like doing email in the room yeah, no it, no, it's fine to do email but it's fine that you type but you type like you're like an aggressive typer but it's the space bar like you're using that thumb like somebody that plays like boom, 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 I like didn't a, know that it's awesome Neil and I talk about that a lot my typing yeah well that's just I type I, I'm a you know Kerouac would not to compare myself to Kerouac, but he would have an infinite loop of paper that he'd put through his typewriter because he just would, he'd take meth and not want to stop writing down his memory. So I just, when I'm on an email binge, sometimes you probably find this for me. Within a span of 10 minutes, you get five emails from me. Yeah, you do that with Twitter too, yeah. Oh, Lars decided to respond to all his people today. And you see all my responses? <laughs> yeah. What? Twitter's annoying. No wonder people be unfollowing me. <laughs> Like, yay, smiley face, or the sideways crying, laughing one. Um, so are we doing a hard start here? Well, we've started the podcast, Brian. What, you were telling a story about Ian Mackay when he... No, nah, I was just trying to make me seem cool, like I know, you know, who forgot <laughs> when, when he starts a podcast, he double checks that it's recording, right? Nah, I just took that from other people. But Is that true? Uh listened to another podcast he was on, and yeah, he, he made the guy, like, start it. It was funny. Yeah, if you've been doing DIY music for 30, 40 years, you, you've, you've been interviewed by a lot of people who weren't vetted by a record label, so they may have just got their dad recorder. I want to tell a story how I met you. That's how, that's how you're going to start? Yeah, we've okay. started, but how to get into this. And it's Warp Tour 2015, I had just flown down from Alaska because I did the Alaska kickoff show. You and I had emailed, though, years before Nate, Aquabats tour manager had linked us because you were looking for people to tour with and I knew about you guys but it just didn't I don't know if it ever made sense for us to tour back in 29 2011 I don't know so I was in line and I had my Roger Rabbit shirt and like a giant backpack and my dad was there because he was dropping off merch he drove down because I flew down from Alaska and I later learned one of the Josh from the Kenneths saw me there with my dad and my backpack and my Roger Rabbit shirt and he said when he saw me he thought I was developmentally disabled (laughs) I was, yeah. had my big glasses. That guy probably would say something like that. <laughs> yeah. And then I thought that was funny, but it kind of hurt my feelings. Did you think I was? No. Okay. It's okay if you are. I mean, it's no judgment to, to anyone who's developmentally disabled. Like, that's just one. What he was trying to say is that you were cheery and you didn't care. I liked yeah. you right off the bat because everyone I warped to were not, sorry, that's bad. It just, when people start tours, sometimes they like they are they start a conversation with like we're going to be on the road for a long time. Let's like ease into this. And I'm the opposite. I'm a let's hug like from the beginning. Well, I, I was let's with- get all the questions out the beginning and right. we'll coast towards the end. Like I'd like to know who you are, and then we can chill. Where other people are like, I'm not going to talk to you for two weeks, and then we'll I'll smile at you. And so you and I were similar of like big like. Right big beginnings you were in line because the warp tour line check-in lines pomona and it was at this the fairplex i guess and it used to be a 
Japanese internment camp that became a venue. Wow. I don't even know that. So it's like in the middle of nowhere and it's very hot and it's like three hours to check in because it's all the logistics of here are your laminates, here's your bus. It's just it's 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 like it's like running a, a small country, you know, yeah. this mobile country. So you wait in line. So I got my credentials and I walked out and I'm all like dazed and you said, Hey, MC Lars, I'm Brian. I'm gonna be on your stage with Cuckoo Kangaroo. I was like that's so friendly. You recognized me and said hi. Oh yeah, it's nice, dude. Shouldn't all people do that? Well, you just got good morals. No, and then <laughs> and then um, because I'd heard your music and I knew about you guys, of course. So we were setting up. Then you guys went up and set up your tent because we were there the night before, so you could set up your merch tent the night before. And we were talking about things to be aware of for the tour because it was my third time. Your first. Yeah, and I loved. I loved. I love getting info, inside info. You were good. You ask good questions. And you got to know how you're going to hustle. Not hustle, how you're going to work hard. Yeah. Well, the three of you, you, your brother Jeff, and Neil, it was perfect because no one was a slacker on your team. No. you did The three of you did the work of 10 men. Yeah. Yeah, you got to work hard. Warp Tour especially. It's a hard tour and you have to work really hard. And you definitely made a niche in, the, in that community. And that's... Yeah, you taught us a lot of like... Yeah. You taught us a lot of good ground rules to start with. What'd I say? Remind me. Mm, I think just like... Uh, I mean, I, I can't say specifics, I'm not sure, but like just like yeah. ways to, you know, hey, this is a good way to like handle the cafeteria, like little tips, little tips, you know, like you need to inside, get you I mean, little inside trader tips. Yeah. It's like, oh, hey, it's better to learn that now than week three. So um, we were, you were a gracious, a gracious host. Well, thank you. Because you need somebody on your stage. Like when you're on a smaller stage, it's usually all like new people. Right. And the people who are working it are sometimes too busy to handle like little questions. So Yeah, I guess I was the only one on our stage who was who'd done it a few times. It was yeah. Kosha Dills, it was New Beat Fund. Yeah. It was like the et cetera. Tour brought us together. Oh my gosh. But I remember we got to a point where every, And now how many tours is this we're on? Yeah. This I was, is seven? Well No, six. Well, okay, let's go through it. Warp tour. Then we toured that fall. Yep. We together. Did, then we did England then we did England. Right at, at like the next spring. And then you did a family tour with us. I opened for you guys. And then- England again. So it's our fifth. And then England again. What? We've done three England. We did? What was the first? Oh, with Chris. Yeah. Ah, okay. So we've done over probably, dude, we must have done close to 200 shows together. It's a lot of shows. So I know your set pretty well. Remember when I met you guys, I said, Neil, it's going to be great. We're going to have a cat party. And Neil goes, yes, that is one of our songs. <laughs> So I was like trying to be like, I know your song. I was like, oh yeah, I guess it's like annoying to reference someone's song. Yeah, I'll probably play along with like your jokiness a little bit more than Neil, but I've been trying to learn from Neil of like, don't put up with it. Just it wasn't a good joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I wanted to show that I was aware of your material. And Neil had knew about me because his sister knew about me. Neil's brother and sister know, they know their like music pretty well. They knew, they knew like way more underground stuff. Like growing up, my family, we listened to like, oldies and like the disney cds and some musicals that's kind of still what i listen to you didn't watch the simpsons you didn't really listen to weird al Ooh, yeah you come from a different planet of pop culture references in some ways yeah mama atchison did not let us watch the simpsons i don't know why no south park probably definitely no no <laughs> south park well we didn't have cable so we couldn't watch that but couldn't watch simpsons yeah we watched uh a lot of family friendly very wholesome things which is a good vibe. That's kind of what shapes like now shapes are like band basically. 
it's like this like clean cleanness you know it's like our gimmick sure well so let's talk about the origin so brian is like the pete holmes of the band and <laughs> yeah. that's a total comment because i love pete holmes i love pete and neil is kind of like the david cross of the band yeah and together wait in looks or attitude just his humor and i guess i people tell me i look like pete holmes too yeah he's a large ulthy man <laughs> yeah he's a funny sweet good-natured man yeah not ofi you just think like, oh, hey, I could scam this guy out of 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> you love Pete Holmes in the same way you, people love you. Yeah, I lo- yeah, I like Pete Holmes. You and Neil, your bandmate, met in college? Yep, southeastern Minnesota in Winona. And it's a, it's a, it's a mid, mid-level town, but there's two colleges, and we went to the small private school. I don't know why, because we wanted to like be more in debt. We went there. We both went there for music recording. And it's called what? Oh, St. Mary's St. University. Mary's. Okay. And there's yeah. also St. Mary's in the East Bay in California. So that's yeah. I got well, that's a bigger one. Yeah. SMU over there. Are they connected? No, I don't think so. I think the name Mary is popular. When and then, <laughs> and then, <laughs> And then people like to be, yeah. Am I being too calm? I'm trying to be normal. You're great. This is great. This is like <laughs> I'm the full. To, I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to talk like I talk like a normal human, like in the car <laughs> no. and not be like, Hey, <laughs> the thing is you guys are, your personalities through your band are like larger than life, but it's like an accentuation of like the real, both of you for sure. More yeah. you than Neil. I feel like Neil puts on more of a character, but it's you. It's just like you times a hundred. So people don't know that you went to St. Mary's in Minnesota and you went for blah, 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 this and that, that you didn't watch Simpsons as a kid. So this episode, I want all the Koo fans, parents and kids, which is why we're not swearing, to learn about the real Brian because I feel like there's, you know, there's, there's Joseph Bruce and there's Violent J. There's, <laughs> there's Brian and then there's Brian from Koo. Yeah. So now I'm talking to Brian, but you can flip. I don't characters. have a stage name like you. I just have my name. We just don't use last names. That's true. You what, don't. Do you, what do you want to know? Okay, so you went to study music business? Is it is it known for music business? No, I mean, it's not really known for anything. <laughs> I guess, no, it's known for its uh, x-ray sure. technology degree. Oh, so... But, and its teaching program. So, so I went there for yeah. that thinking, because I thought I want, to be in, I want to be in a band, and I wrote in my essay, I was like, I want to be in the music industry and... Therefore, you need to start in the back. That's what the soundboard. <laughs> like, it was dumb. Did they have like a music yeah, production? Yeah, they had music production. Yeah. yeah. So I learned that. They had a very small like studio. And yeah, and I, and I, but I transferred out of that. I just didn't, I didn't care about learning. What is it? DP? No, it, uh, uh, what's a uh, Pro Tools? I didn't want to learn Pro oh, Tools. I, I, uh, what is, there's an acronym. And even it. now, it's like, it's like when I play guitar or keyboard, it's like, I want to learn four chords to write a song. Right. And that's it. I don't, I don't know how to solo. I don't know how to like, I can do the bare minimum to do like the song. That's why we have our stuff on tracks that I love. It's like, I want to like dance and like hang out with people. I don't care about any kind of like technical music stuff. Like I like watching it, but me performing it, I don't. Anyway, so that's why I left. And then when I got in teaching, teaching degree. So you high did. school. Yeah. So you yeah. can teach, you're certified to teach high school. Yeah. I let my license lapse a little bit after. Yeah. So, but wow. yeah, secondary social science. So I taught economics and I can teach, yeah, social studies and hey, a white male in the Midwest getting a high school social studies degree. That's so smart. Wait, you think it's not? There's so many of oh. them. There's no job open. Did you ever teach high school? Never, I student taught. 
okay. in Wabasha, Wabasha Kellogg, Minnesota, uh, in high school, and mm-hmm. that was fantastic. And then I, and then when Neil and I, we started Cuckoo right our senior year, and so we wanted to tour. So I substitute taught elementary school, and mm. I got eaten alive. Mm. The thing where the kid will be like, "Yeah, I'm Barry. He's Carl," and they switch. <laughs> so you tell I'm Barry, but really Carl's being told on. They broke me. <laughs> What's the worst thing they did? <laughs> they just like, I left there being like, <laughs> I, I'm not a good teacher. <laughs> well, you're a summer camp guy. Yeah. And part of your show. You're a summer camp guy. I am. That We bond over a lot of like very similar things. Yeah. We do. We, it's like, we're like weirdly like brothers from another mother same or whatever. Mom. Same mom. I mean, I, you know, my <laughs> no. family moved from uh, my mom's side. They all came to the Minnesota and stuff from Sweden. And then my grandpa immigrated to California like during the Great Depression or his, his, his dad did. Basically, maybe we're related is my point. Maybe. Are you part Scandinavian? 100%. Well, yeah. Well, no. Like, yeah. Grandma was full Swedish, so we got that lutefisk in the family. That's what's up. Um, so Why don't people know enough about Minnesota? It's so weird, because I think Minnesota is the greatest place to live. And Let's keep I it guess, a secret. Nobody's going to move there. They all get so weird about the snow, but they don't even know anything about it. Well, okay. Well, I want to get to that. I mean- why don't people know geography? Oh, you mean where it is? <laughs> Just so weird. You were in a rock band with Neil in college where you you sang and played guitar and he played drums. Yep. Am I right? Neil's a drummer. Great drummer, right? He is my favorite kind of drummer because he has no frills, plays the beat. Uh-huh. He has a snare kick tom and a ride and maybe a hi-hat. So he's yeah. like the Lars Ulrich of college rock. Lars Ulrich is a no frills but dependable drummer. No disrespect. Oh, the Metallica guy? Yeah. He's got like eight toms. Isn't he metal? Don't you have to be yeah, like... Yeah, but his, his whole thing is like... I would compa- People are going to crucify me for this, but that he's like an unpretentious stay in the pocket. Okay, stay in the pocket. I would say like Ringo's a stay in the pocket. I would say like the, <laughs> the Strokes guy, drummer, the guy in the hives, uh-huh. like tight. Tight. He's a punk drummer. You know what I mean? He had a pork pie drum kit. Yeah. So anyways, we had a band called Book Reader. And it's funny, Ringo then, the Ringo all-star band, Ringo led a band later. So Neil's Ringo have a lot in common. Hey, <laughs> what was it called? The, what was the band called again? It's called Book Reader. Book Reader. Yep. That's great. So we started the freshman year of college. Okay. And we joined a music fraternity together. And so- people, Did you live together on campus or was it more like an eating club? There, there was no house. Okay. It was the only fraternity on campus. And it was a little more like- nerds music nerds that couldn't get girls that were like we're gonna hang out together and we owned a sound system as a group like a pa yep so oh. we learned about sound there so we learned about live sound there and we like put we would put on shows and like when a band would come in like we would do the front of house so we'd set it up so would you would you book the band and there'd be like a budget or was it like people they kind shows? of maybe something that did but like the student activities group would and neil ran that when he was a senior he like booked bands but we just like set up and ran the board and hung out with the bands and stuff like that. And, and like, then you'd play too. Book sometimes. would open sometimes. Oh yeah. What, at what point were you like, it's more fun to do this with a track to goofy guys rapping about silly stuff. Well that came, yeah, that came later. So we, so we were book reader for almost our whole four years that we were there. And all of those guys are still the best and are good pals. It was like, yeah. uh, it was like Hootie and the Blowfish. Like it was like pop rock. Pop like acoustic Where folk rock. Where can we and, hear Book Reader? You can't. And don't do it. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. What do you mean don't do it? Is it online? Uh, probably. Didn't MySpace just like delete everything? Yeah, so so it's probably that. gone. 
Okay. But we but we recorded two EPs, yeah, and a full length record, and we like did it ourselves, and we what had were, some what, friends. What was, what was, Nate, give me one song title. No, no. One. They were probably all about like old girlfriends and stuff yeah. like that. Being celibate in college. My mom could tell you all the titles, and she'd be like, "They were bad." Dude, similarly, <laughs> I you know. You had your college stuff. Yeah, yeah, I I was I did music because it was really hard at Stanford to like meet people. People were so focused on their flavor, meaning their professional careers, that playing shows on campus was a way to like be at a party and not be the awkward person standing like in the background. I yeah. could you hide by being visible. More more that's what we use like cuckoo for. And definitely is like a reason to be there or something. Is that where you're getting at? Yeah, is a reason. Well, no, when yeah. When you're at a show, it depends on the show and stuff. It but. does, but I always felt like doing. I don't know. I, I feel more comfortable. I I had this image in my head, like I remember having this image about wanting to tour because I think about how the world is like all this chaotic movement and noise and people demanding things and blah blah blah. And the stage is this one four by six or ten by twelve space where it's like a living room where everything's perfect and things time stands still and you're this like sculpture that is free from all the pain of the world and that's this metaphor i always thought of starting in college and like i'd like go to sleep thinking about that like oh the stage is like a happy cloud where i can stand and and think about being there in the future you know in different stages of all sizes i don't know that got, that was like the you cl- thought about that yeah it was a cloud in college sure i'd have an wow. image of it i mean the, the thing is because i remember I'm, I've always been a big ICP fan. They'd have these elaborate stage sets and they'd have like a haunted house or a spaceship. And it was like, this is a place where they're safe and that's their world. And fantasy becomes like, performance becomes larger than life. And uh, that's very an abstract like uh, diversion. But college was like particularly difficult for me. So that was like this life raft for me. I don't know. It sounds like we, we had different experiences. Yeah, but no, but that's uh, that's just like how you that's how you interpret it. You know what I mean? Like, I think maybe I must've like developed in what I wanted like way later, but Neil told me you did cuckoo was like as a lark for a talent show. Yeah. Battle of bands. And you're like, let's instead of play with our serious band, do this hilarious track rap joke thing. Yeah, we did. We played, we put book reader played like the battle of bands. Okay. For three years. And then our senior year, we tried some in like, actually. So we had the eye in my head. I was like, we are pure music, no covers, no this. My mom was always like, you should be in a kid's band. You like kids? And I was like, I would never do that. That's like, that's the worst. I'll never do that, mom. I'll never do that. And then um, I was like, no covers. This is what mu- This is what real music is. I'd like watch the Grammys and be like, I can't believe they did that. They chose that. That's not real music. Like, you know what I mean? Like you have a snob dude, a hipster snob snob. You're righteous. I was so super righteous. And then, and then this band, we played this battle of bands. We didn't have any style. We didn't know what we were doing. We just were like, I don't know. You have this, like you think what music is. You think how you're going to get there. You have no clue. And you really also see like, you see the bands around you and you see the people on the radio. You don't, know how what even the internet existed but you don't know how There's to no get YouTube there youtube then yeah there yeah youtube came out sometime in there 2008 or My something space, I guess, maybe like out. a couple years later so you YouTube don't really was know, like 2006. You don't know that path. All you see is like, oh, hey, there's like American Idol and that's it. And I was like, I don't want that. I don't know. It's weird. Anyways, we played this battle of bands in a parking lot, uh-huh. this like local radio station. And this band called Zebra Zebra played. 
and they whooped our butts. They beat us, but they had matching costumes. They had a track, synthesizers, guitar solos, and the lead singer was like in the crowd, in people's faces. They were kids at St. Mary's. No, States? they were from like the cities. They were younger than us. I think they were in high school. So you can and we ba- were juniors. Wait, wait, or wait, wait, wait. How are you doing battle of bands against sorry, high school? Sorry, this is a battle of band. This is a different battle of bands in the summer. Off campus. Sorry, yeah. The the battle of bands I was talking about is like there was a school, a St. Mary's battle of bands, right? Um, but anyways, we did this battle of the bands and they, that blew my mind. I was like, first of all, I got angry because they won and we didn't, you were we juniors, were pure, or... we were pure rock, whatever. Right, and right. I was like, this is, and then later I was like, this is, that's it. And that guy, the lead singer, he now produces all our music. That's his name's Neil Zumwalt. And he's like our third guy. Like, really? Yeah, and yeah, later on, we like met him. We played some shows with them together. Right. And, and there's another band that really inspired us that we saw called Dance Band. And they had dance moves with their songs. Uh-huh. And that, well, that blew my head too. But anyway, so that yeah. so we did Book Reader. Then we were like, okay, we need to do something weird and different. I, I can't remember why we did, but we did like, there were two other guys with us and we did, yeah, tracks. There was a guitar player and a bass player, but just tracks and Neil and I out front. Like rapping, we did Elemental P. I think we did Minivan that time. Were you Cuckoo Kangaroo? No, then? called Birthday Party. Okay, it's crazy because Zebra Zebra, it's like animal and a repeated sound. Yeah, yeah. That's random. That's just. I guess I never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, then our next time, those guys didn't want to do it. We did something different. It's we did Cuckoo. Yeah, we did Cuckoo. Wait, Cuckoo okay. was a big theme. It was like I think it was our super senior year. The band you did with the basses and the guitarists and Neil. What were you called? Book reader. Birth. Bur- oh, book reader birthday was party? the band and then birthday party was like this middle band and then there was dance. And we ripped off like gogo bordello stuff uh-huh. and dance band oh we had t- neil and i neil and i toured london we toured we studied abroad in london that's where it is we studied abroad in in london for six months we were just together couldn't bring our guitars and we like made some beats and we traveled and we saw like gogo bordello we saw a couple other punk bands that just like blew our mind like we saw this jazz trio in venice on accident that like put so you went metal in europe they put yeah they put like metal in their piano and like played drums with straw and like i was like this is art <laughs> you know what i mean you get that college epiphany junk and right and we- so it started changing being like everything i thought was real just like collapsed right and let's build from scratch and that's where cuckoo starts building we have that in common that we both had inspiration in studying abroad in England. As yeah, you too. Well, you made your career off of it and we just tried to pick up the pieces. Well, didn't Neil work at a venue in London or yeah. intern at a venue? Um, he was smarter than me. This is interesting, Brian, because yeah, is this making sense? Yeah. And it's like, it's your inroad into like arty performance based music is kind of like when I, I saw hip hop, I always felt it was kind of, this is was snobby of me as a high schooler. I, I felt like it was musically limited. It was, I, I didn't quite understand it as much as I did in college when I got into bands like Atmosphere and all the Rhyme Sayer stuff and the artistic stuff, Anticon, and then discovering Run DMC and Public Enemy and old school hip hop. To me, it was like music had to have guitars and it had to have it had to be serious and melodic. And you know, anyone out there who's heard like my old stuff, like you can hear there's a shift where I realized that having just a story and a beat and a narrative really can carry a song. And then being able to pull it off live, you don't need a full band. I was always concerned about having extra people play along and sometimes less is more. And that's something MC Chris kind of like taught me weirdly in like 2011 that if you have a good performance and a story you're telling, that's enough. But with you guys, 
what makes your show so incredible is that the energy is is as much as like a rancid show or something. And it just, I'm thinking about punk high energy band and your interplay together is like these fools have known each other for what now you've known him 15 years. Yeah. A long time. You're like two halves of the same whole. Yeah. Well, you said a lot of, th- I mean, we can, yeah. Jumping around there. Like when you, yeah. Like you're talking about like performance art music, like what it's yeah. thought of like at that moment, I liked performance art more than I liked like bands. Right. Like I still liked music. And I want to like use that as the tool. Hey, you were talking. Can I jump around or is sure, that weird? Sure, sure. We're jumping around. Okay, you know how you're talking about being at a party and like oh. being your place and stuff like that. Uh huh. A thing that kind of inspired Cuckoo was, you know how at a party like some people gain attention by being weird and like sure. A, being weird for just being the sake of weird, and that's off-putting. Uh huh. Yes. I, I want. Yes or no? I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. That you can have that. You have a person in your head probably, but like I didn't want that. We want. I liked like somebody that could be like odd but welcoming. Like, and that's that's kind of the flavor we try to go for. I know people probably if they've seen us. They're like, oh no, you're just being weird to be weird. But our goal is try to be like weird, but in like a funny cousin kind of a way, not in like a I'm trying to push your limits on purpose. You well, know what I mean, like, yeah, and I think that's afforded to you by having both. You. If it were just one of you, it would be like the weirdest, most off-putting performance piece. It would be like this guy is something wrong with him. <laughs> yeah, he really is taking this too far, and we, he really should consider grad school. <laughs> but it's like the two of you is like, oh, they're both in on it, and then you look at your history and your YouTube numbers and your output and your design, and it's like you guys are funny, but you don't allow it to be a joke because you take it's so seriously and you're like neil's a genius too but you're like the genius marketing i don't know part cuckoo a lot of cuckoo it's both of your success but you kind of are i don't know you guys yeah but that's because you see it for me because i verbalize it neil kind of is like silently he's silent partner what you don't see is when we have our sit down chats like our brainstorms like for you and i because you and i we riff a lot about like no uh, I i like thinking about things in like um yeah, I, I'll, yeah, yeah, but I, I, I like thinking forward. Like Neil, like Neil. I mean, whatever. You're gonna talk to Neil, no, so no, like, yeah, no, but I, I like thinking. Like I have my, I have my plan in my head. This yeah. is wrong, probably, but I have like a, I know what I want to do in 2021, and I have plan A, B, and C for that year too. Sure, sure. <laughs> and sometimes that scares Neil. Neil's like, let's just look into like two months ahead. So he, it we're like you said, a wonderful balance. Your balance, he, your left brain, he's right brain. Sure. Maybe. I don't know what that means, but that's sweet. Left I like brain, brains. I like brains. Left brain is more like right brain is the creative. In, I don't know. It's really hard. When I'm getting to know you guys, I know that it's like cool. Couldn't exist with just you or just Neil. Oh, totally. Your bird and Ernie. If it was, yeah. If it was just me, we would have just like, we, we would, yeah, yeah. Which we, is fine. We would just have like silly camp cheers. Now those are bad, but like silly camp. Neil, Neil helps us like walk that line. We would just be playing like for 10 kids. We we wouldn't be a band anymore because we would just like, I would just be like playing someone's birthday party in Bloomington, Minnesota. Well, Neil's give, gives Cuckoo Kangaroo an edge and, and a design aesthetic. Yeah. And, but he also like, he allows me to like, have that because i want that edge but i can't you were talking earlier about like me being this like passive aggressive midwestern boy like he says did like, i say passive aggressive no but i know i am but um 
but i want that <laughs> i want that edge but i also want to be nice i want to like walk this line and he like helped show me he's like brian you want that too and i'm like you're right i do want to like i want to walk this line like we like walking that line a little bit because it's fun for us well it's it's been amazing. Is it a line? I think. What's, Are we walking the line? Well, you and I speculated this on a lot and about the uh, the industry now and how things are changing and how to be successful. Not, and it's been crazy to me seeing in the five years I've known you almost just how it's blown up for you guys and you the tickets you sell. Think blown up. Yeah, I mean, you I think, say blow up. Oh, well, you just you 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 sell tickets. You millions of people watch your videos, and it's like gone from this thing where you just stayed very focused and you just work so hard and you're the example to me of i always talk about like how to do things right i talk about things that you guys have done when people ask me about friends who have done well and stuff and like i you probably you're a humble guy you don't want to brag about it but like you've built this indie hip-hop kids dance art empire <laughs> thing and it's awesome man and that's like makes me really happy when i see your guys' success and having you know open for you guys and and seeing it grow so much and oh yeah yeah you had to open up for the kids shows well i learned People, yeah. it's a different thing because it's like I, I the parents like the nerdy references but for the kid opening for you guys it's about the it was about the dance moves making sure i'm not stepping on the kids when they're crawling on the stage <laughs> it's about like having a hook and simplicity and it was a great learning experience, you know, like, but it's very different than here in the UK. It's like older punk rock parents versus, I don't know. What's my point? My point is that both of your, you and Neil's, what you bring to the project in my eyes is what's made it successful. Well, I will say thank you. Thank you. That's very nice. And I like hearing about things from an outside perspective, especially right. from hearing from you, a vi- like DIY indie guy that's been in the game do it yourself you're pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and you're making it work you know what i mean there's no hand holding when i think about that it's so funny when you say that to me i'm just like i have 200 things i want to do like we're not there yet like when i almost like can't accept those compliments because i'm like you haven't seen it yet well, that's what makes we're not there yeah, that's like- but also i think uh, i have something i've been worrying about lately is that am i gonna be 85 and i die and I will still have like this to-do list of like, I didn't get it done. So I'm trying to like balance that a little bit and like, Hey, maybe enjoy my life a little bit. You know yeah. what I mean? So, but well, that's, but I do thank you for that. That's thank you for the acknowledgement. And can, yeah. I can, Good job, no, bro. I don't, I don't want to send a compliment rat compliment. I, 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 I compliment you for like 10 days. Like, thanks, Brian. Listen to, let's keep talking about stuff. Let's keep talking yeah, about yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I like talking about like the, where were we just going? We we're talking about, then like shows and stuff like that. I don't know where so you want to go. Origin. So then I remember I'm rolling in the minivan. Yeah. Uh, the, so you started doing these, these beastie boys kind of silly rap songs. When did you realize that? Oh, this is for kids. Mm, that was maybe, man, I tell people like four years in or something like that. So when was rolling in the minivan? Were you still? That was the first scenarios? song. The first song. That was first record. Yeah. So we made. And that record was called. Well, there's a first record. That's a like jokey song. There's no cussing on it, but it like it was this Boy Scout skit about like you kill silver baby ducks to make duct tape. It was like a Boy Scout skit that we made into a song, and it was really like arty and stuff like that. But there's some songs on that first yeah. record. I'm gonna ride this roller coaster. Whoa! Oh my god! <laughs> I'm gonna ride this. Is that on that? No, that came later. That came later. Okay. <laughs> what? No, that's I know a, your deep cuts. Yeah. Do, yeah. That's um. What was the first record called, or was it EP, or what? 
Nah, there was a first record called Animal Death and Other Danceable Favorites. And so, so you had a darker side. Well, that's why we're black and gold. Like it was like black because we were like a dark band. Okay. And gold is why? I don't know. Well, the reason we have costumes is because that show oh, I was right, talking about right. with Book Reader. Right. That Battle of Bands thing. The guy was like, you can't wear street clothes. So our friend Casey and Anna like made us costumes for Book Reader. We had black jeans, white shoes, green shirts with a white B on there. Mm-hmm. So when we were starting a new band, I was like, well, let's just like put our name on the shirt and do the same thing, basically. Right, right, right. So we had gold shoes, black pants, a black T-shirt, and then I had a hat. And we, I needed like gold lame somewhere. Sure, and that was the fanny pack. The fanny pack didn't come till our fanny pack song like six years later. So yeah. coup was what? Coup, we were coup, coup, and then there was a Rue. That was our friend, ADB, and he was our DJ. Was there a Kanga? But no Kanga. What, so. what? Where the heck does Cuckoo Kangaroo come from? Um, I was just on a list. We thought it was like... You, you brainstormed animals? I, I don't know. I think that, I don't remember what's on there, but I think it could have been... The band could have been anything. We just like picked that name first and we we're like, that was memorable. It sounded memorable. It sounded like something you could remember. Yeah. And then... And it sounded like fun, I guess. Does it sound fun? Yeah. It still kind of works. Well, I was, I was thought you guys were Australian. <laughs> I guess, I yeah. thought you were Australian funny guys. That's why it was, threw me off when you knew the Aquabats. I'm like, I didn't know Aquabats <laughs> toured Australia. <laughs> they should. When I you, think they did. Well, they did, but not in 2006, maybe, or whatever. Okay, so yeah. So, wait, 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 can, I, can I interject yeah. something? Yeah. You know, there's a, you know Debbie Harry from Blondie? I, she, not personally. You know Blondie, but, right? Yeah. She did a solo record called Cuckoo, and it's spelled K-O-O space K-O-O. And it was a much maligned, criticized record. So I remember I got a used copy of it at a church, like, rummage sale. And so it crossed that to make it say, Kaka. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever I heard Cuckoo Kangaroo. She did a solo record? Yeah, Coo. It's Coo space Coo. Oh. And it's on the cover. She's got, like, needles going through her face. That's her edgy solo record so anyway i always thought maybe you were debbie harry fans you're not that's interesting no just i don't know it just doesn't have anything it doesn't have a thing that's it's, great it's tough who, who did it's the, tough because that's what that's what people ask like the most that's boring Let's why is your band name keep it moving right um, keep it moving you know why i say keep it moving do you want me to give you the origin of this? No. <laughs> Ice-T did a documentary called Art of Rap, and there's a fantastic scene where like he meets Eminem, and Eminem like geeks out mm. on how Ice-T was such an influence on him, blah, blah, blah. So there's one scene where Ice-T is interviewing Most Def on the streets in New York, and this guy comes in the shot and is trying to meet them and talk to them, and Ice-T is like, you see these cameras? Keep it moving, Pimpin'. And so <laughs> Mega Man and I, whenever something's slow and we're annoyed, we go, keep it moving, Pimpin'. And so that's why keep it moving is like when something is dragging. So we don't have to tell Cuckoo is just a random thing. Who came up with the logo? Which Neil? one? The K-O-O? That, I think I just painted that. That's the only thing I guess, like, digitally I've done. I drew another thing, but Neil's the graphic guy. Okay. He's got the style. He does all the merch. Yeah. He makes all the website, does all the fancies. I just have some memories of, like... Art design for all, like, yeah. How you would spray paint your shoes of gold and your hat... And leave it under the van on tour so it would dry. Still doing that. That's dedication, man. Oh, it's, and then doing all the laundry. Oh, it's day six. Got to do like day your, four. Yeah. Your silly, your silly aesthetic is not just a goofy thing. It's like very thought out and pragmatic. Like I was talking about this with MC Hawking that the way he does his raps with the computer voices, it's like pointillism. It's like it's supposed to look kind of messy and impressionistic, but it's a million tiny little dots that connect that make this picture. And that's like a metaphor for, I think you guys too, your whole thing is like, it's 
it was it started out as this fun kind of accidental joke, but it's this thing that scientifically you've really perfected. And I, I guess I wonder, do you still find joy in like having to punch in the silly clock? You know, mm, that is well, we're in year 12 now. Yeah. And, um, that's something we battle a little bit. A couple of things. Thank you for asking that question. That's a nice question. It's important. But we, but I think Neil and going along the lines of like Neil influencing me, his biggest thing that he always goes in there. And I think kind of like why book reader and some other things have faded off is like, he says, you know, this isn't, this isn't exciting to me, right? Why are we doing this? This isn't exciting. And it helps remind me like, oh yeah, we should like, like this. So I guess I there are certain things I like doing the same because it gives me a certain joy that I liked out of the band, like dance moves and stuff like that. But the, where we've come to so far, all the things we've done, like the dance long videos, other stuff, it's all been like by accident. We just are like, let's just try a bunch of things and we just throw stuff at a wall and see what sticks. So we just right. need to keep doing that. Like now we're like, we need to keep like, okay, yes, people think of us as something, but we need to keep pushing it because like, that's going to be what you think of us in like five years. Cause hopefully one of those things will go. We just try a ton of stuff. I guess that's really the reason why we created this band is we wanted something that was different that we could do all kinds of things. We could do right. like any kind of video, any kind of song, any kind of live show, any kind of merch item. It could be like anything. There aren't restrictions. Yeah. And I think, um, but anything yeah. that's PG rated or G rated uh, well, content wise. Yeah. Can... I mean, a little bit of that comes like, that's, that's like my personality. Yeah. That's a little cool. bit is that I, and that was like book reader too. It's like our families are coming out, like all our buddies from school and their parents. Like I like my friend's parents too. You know what I mean? And I like their siblings and I like getting to know people's families. Like I want everybody right, to come. Right. Like I don't want just one person to come. I want you to bring like everyone you know. And so like if it's like inclusive, then it's great. And also another degree to that is that in Minneapolis at the time, like these bands that were inspiring us and just at the time like of iPod bands, it was like very like, okay, so you you have to have a, another thing I've, uh, with iPods is like, okay, you're going to have an instrumental break because you can't sing the whole time like in your song. Uh -huh. What are you going to do? And a lot of them were like, I'm going to be shocking or revealing or like dirty or like take all my clothes off or whatever. You know what I mean? So we couldn't be like that because that existed. You know, Harmar Superstar already existed. Oh, okay. And, yeah. and he was so, he's so good at it. We could never do that. Right. And so we had to be like, we need to go the other way. And the dance move thing really yeah. happened on accident, basically. Like our friend, my friend from high school, Dalen, her name's Dalen Sebastian. And, and we were playing rolling in the minivan and she was like doing this rolling thing okay. during it. And so I started doing it and then the crowd started doing it during the break. And I was like, oh, we need to do dance moves. So your, so your first show, you didn't have dance moves. Not really. Just, just rapping yeah. and singing. Yeah. We had some, a couple dance moves choreographed, but it was like, oh, this needs to like tie together. Did I answer your question at all? Did uh, I ramble? What were we talking no, about? No, we're talking about. Oh, staying, staying with it and like. Well, that. so let's talk about the, the, the staples of Cuckoo Kangaroo. It's the. It's the aesthetic. I don't feel like you'd ever change your look. What, like the costume? The costume is. I put. On, I wear shorts now because I got too sweaty in okay, sweatpants. Whatever. That's the black with the gold coup, and then you have a variation of it, and Neil's facial hair. Okay, so what? So when you started, you you know you wear tracksuit only when you started. Yeah, I, I I used to. You know, I was. This is interesting. It's different. Like talk about credibility. I always felt like. 
I love bands like Nirvana because that was there was Kurt was the same off stage and on stage. There was nothing stylized, but to be stylized was to not have style. And then thinking about that, the whole like remember that Sprite campaign? Image is nothing. Thirst is everything. Obey your thirst. Remember that ad? Probably. Yeah. And it was like anti marketing. And I realized, you know, I was like, well, if I want to be myself, I'll just wear what I wear off stage. But I was so sloppy, man. I'd wear triple X shirts and baggy pants from the 90s. And I I don't know. I was kind of maybe off-putting to most people. Maybe that's what was endearing about it. And I remember once my ex-girlfriend was like, you literally wear the same thing on and off stage. Don't you want to like try to make an appearance? And I was like, no. And then we you know, broke up or whatever. But I remember seeing Riff Raff at South by Southwest in 2012 when he was still new, just doing the mixtape stuff. And he had he had like a giant chain with like an icy like a diamond icy thing and his he was he was so stylized and he manifested in his social media i'm like oh i should pick one aesthetic thing to wear and i should keep my outfit simple so that thing pops and always wear that my ace hat which the black ace hats are like hard to find it's usually the green and gold so i you know over the years i bought dozens of that <laughs> one hat but i wore 2013 wearing my chain and just black and it was just because I felt like maybe it's weird that we both randomly independently of each other made wearing black and gold a a stage thing it was for me it was because I wanted I thought it was cool how Riff Raff kind of had a look that that it didn't matter that he was like not that technically good at rapping he was just consistent you know so yeah did I answer that yeah you did yeah I like um I, I mean I guess I don't really know that when you start like I don't have a lot of answers over like why we did certain things like 10, you know, 12 years ago or stuff like that. But um, I like the idea of like having a one certain thing to wear, like a costume. Like I'm not fashionable in my life. Like I just wear whatever t-shirts and, you know, weird jeans that aren't cool. Like I, people like for years have been like, you dress like a dad. And then now that I'm a dad, they're like, Oh, this makes sense. You know what I mean? I'm not fashionable. You know, right, I'm not. Right, you know we were just talking right. about it today. So having some, I, I know what I'm going to wear sure. enough to think about is one less thing you have to think about for a show. And that's fantastic. Well, and, and black always looks good. Black makes you look five pounds lighter. Black. Yeah. Is- yeah. I don't know why I would chose black. I guess I think maybe because like that's the only color sweatpants they had or something at Walmart or like, Oh, it's an accident, but it makes the gold black and gold are like a, like a B. Wiz Khalifa's black and yellow. It's like an iconic pairing. You're wearing a black shirt with a Panera logo right now. You that's they gold. sent this to us. They did. So let's talk about that. So you did a Panera. You the thing is, you guys will do these crazy artistic theme records that the, people don't listen to for six years. You did the motivational success audiobook that I was on. Thank you for inviting me on that. You did a Panera record. You really helped that song. That song was only going to be fifty seconds long, and you were like, "Let's do a second verse," and then we're like. Maybe we should. Wait, did I do two eight bar verses? You sent two like sixteen bar verses, which is great. Like you sent it, you're like you just looped it, and I was like, yeah, this is a whole song now. Thank I you. I did two verses. It was wonderful. I probably didn't. I just like sent it to you, and you, yeah, okay. So we did. So our first, you were asking about our first record. The first record that people can see is, oh, yeah. is called the Everlasting Slumber Party. The first one was called How to Kill Animals and Drink Their Fluids. What was it called? <laughs> nah, yeah. Killing Frogs? No. It was called Animal Death and Other Danceable okay. Favorites. It's funny because now like we write so many songs about animals. I don't know. You know when you're in college and you think certain things are like 
funny more you're rebelling against something but i don't know so it was like a, a juxtaposition yeah, it was somewhat weird we didn't know what we we're doing like i was saying like we just the band could have been anything you know at that time can i make a point real quick yeah hip-hop was a happy accident everything that happened with that culture the idea of like taking two samples and and looping it was just like wanting to have a longer dance party for this kid's sister cool Herc's sister's back to school party october yeah. whatever yeah. august 1973 and it was this idea of like just let's play two records back to back and see what happens. Oh, we've created an entire postmodern subculture that defines the end of the 20th century. You know what I'm saying? Like things, happy accidents. I like when you say stuff like that. <laughs> well, it's like, it's true. It's like good art is like, you can't be precious about it. And what makes it work, and we talk about this a lot, is you guys are so prolific in that you won't be like, this is the one video. This is going to be our hit. No, you do 30 videos in, in the span of a year. Yeah, definitely. That That totally true. That's that, important. Like, we just... We're when we talk partner. about ha- happy accidents. Oh, right. I mean, but all that stuff, like when we just like, oh, this thing happened and we just like kept going with it. We didn't like overthink it. We just like, sure, we'll try it. We'll try these things. We'll just like, keep rolling with it. And also you're so true about like, you can't like people, this is going to be the single or this is going to be the thing. It's like, you don't know. Like, that's why some of our songs that are like now, like our, we have to be a little careful because we were just throwing out garbage and those some of those songs became like our biggest hits and we're just like <laughs> like are you saying popsico was an accidental hit right yeah that we didn't that wasn't supposed to be <laughs> yeah we had a hard to we wrestled with that for a long time because we still are wrestling with that because a bit. it's like a campfire song that you guys just i mean it's not like our only cover really if you think about it, it's a cover yeah but only camp- for soup's biggest song is a cover sure that's cool but yeah do they but i guess when you've written like 130 other songs and they don't even know like they think your name your band is popsy co it's t- it, it was at the time tough to handle now i see it as cool this brought a lot of and it has it brought people to our band so it was a calling card but at that time it felt like it that was that was all we were ever going to be and that was a little difficult but that's like an era where were we where were we starting we we're talking about I don't know. Oh, right. We're talking about theme records. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We had. Do you know about Critters? It's our th- thirty that- animal songs, and they're all one minute long. Uh, when was this? That was. So we had two records. First, we made a games EP, and that's for like Lava Tag and Red Rover crossover, and okay. Hopscotch and Tic Tac Toe came from. And then yeah, then we had Critters, thirty one minute songs like Nod Your Head and Whale are on there, and um, oh yeah. And then you did and Turtle Love and stuff like that, and um, the Cat album that was later Cat EP. Yeah, we made that for the Walker Art Center. It's the Modern Art Museum. They did a international cat music festival, and Neil got to hold Grumpy Cat. Got to hold Grumpy Cat. Did you? I was scared. I I get scared about animals. So no. Really? That's why you want to have animal death. No, I don't know. I don't know. I I mean, I we are my family jokes about animals a lot about pet owners and stuff because. My dad's allergic to cats and dogs. And so, like, we never had the only animals we had were like hamsters and rats and fish. So, like, we don't have that, like, nostalgia about animals. Like, I don't see an animal and I go, like, oh, I see a baby and I go, oh. Well, that's kind of ironic that your band is named after an animal. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I've never seen a kangaroo before. Really? Yeah. Australia? No, no, I take that back. At the Minnesota Zoo, oh. I've seen the kangaroo now. That's right. Minnesota, so, Minnesota, my theory on Minnesota's. Am I or, boring you? No, you I, no, I just think it's like we could talk about we, we you and i could talk for the cool thing about hours. you is you're one of my only friends who we like check on each other on the phone 
Yeah. It's weird. You and think we, so? Only no, friends? it's special because you, you get, you know, we were, I was doing that rapper explains YouTube series that you were inspired and you were, you always kind of taught me that you teach me that a, a YouTube video content should be a tool, not just a representation of something. It should have a greater purpose that you put out consistently. And that's like, I always appreciate your perspective on things. What was I talking about? Oh yeah. Minnesota. We could talk about this social media and new media economics, blah, blah, blah. But it's something I always talk about with fools. With you, I want to learn more about the external forces that allowed this special mechanism of your two, you and Neil's project that has seemingly infinite longevity and inspiration and creativity that can inspire other young people. So I want to talk about the struct, the, uh, the cultural and, and historical things and like everything surrounding cuckoo kangaroo that makes it a success besides your hard work and focus. So Minnesota, I have a theory that some of the best music, American music that's come out of there, Dylan, Prince, Owl city, Owl city. (laughs) Well, yeah, a lot of, a lot of great, fantastic music. I love Owl city because it's cold. It's cold. No irony. What's that guy's name? Adam young. And then when Taylor Swift met him, she was so enchanted to meet him and he blew her off. Right. What? I, he's just, he is. You very, know that story, very, right? Yeah, he's very shy. She thought he was he real makes handsome. pop hooks, baby. Sorry, keep talking. I, this is what I do. I derail conversations. Keep going. No, about Minnesota heard, music. Okay, hold on. When you heard Fireflies, you didn't think it was a uh, a uh, Postal Service single. You thought it was a new, you didn't know. Did you think so? Well, I knew Postal Service was before But did you that. think it was a Postal Service song? No. Mm. I But I already had the album. Al City. When I hit the record. Yeah. Have I saw it. You want to know funny? I went what? to his first show ever. What? At the varsity, his first live show. Why were you there? Because I was hot on, I was on him from MySpace. Really? That You went to his first show ever? Yeah. Had he done Fireflies? He was already, he got, he just got signed to a major label. So he was just doing making bedroom pop stuff. You went to his debut show. That's cool. He was so shy. He, he hid behind himself? his computer. Yeah. Did he sing? I think he had another like keyboard player that played with him. Yeah, he sang. He did a really good job. Have, he you, can... have you heard the Weird Al polka Fireflies? No, but I would love to. And I know it's that so you've listened good. to all of them. Anyways, it's so good. Going back to music, Minnesota does have a lot of good music. Yeah. It's like England. It's like We could go forever. Doomtree Crew, you know, all that, all the rhymes there stuff, like prof and atmosphere and, and yeah uh, semisonic closing time i mean the, that's all yeah the popular list is is huge and then there's like Harmar. stuff that you don't even know about yeah because and uh, going back to like why there's so much great music in in northern england in aberdeen washington in seattle places that have unfortunate climates create some of the best mm. culture i think why there's so many great um scandinavian death metal bands and great swedish pop music because there's this focus it's like well i'm not i'm not going for a jog today so let's let's make some tunes let's make some tunes about about the deeper truths of life right is that what we do talk about the deeper truths i don't know minnesota so that's what was so that was so disarming about atmosphere was sean (laughs) as you know him slugs music it was like very i haven't ever i haven't met him we'll we'll talk about that in a second i would love to it's disarming in that it was like candid and sarcastic and incredibly well versed in the tropes of hip hop, well produced, funny, and then you see him and it's like he's the guy on the records. You know, I, I remember seeing Atmosphere 2002 at a warehouse show in San Jose. It just changed my life. I was like, I I want to do rap. This is so vulnerable and incredible. And I knew I knew the Lucy Ford stuff, and it was like, but it's to me that's so Minnesotan because it's the it's a it's an amalgamation of like 
all these great things about American music. And I see that with you guys too. All the great things about punk and hip hop and dance music and and humor and and wit and it's all mixed together. And when you're distracted by like being outside and going to the beach, it's harder to get at these weird human truths. And I also think Minnesotans are proudly weird. You think so? I don't know. It's a stereotype. It's like the Minnesotan like, I don't know. I don't know. That's not weird. That's good. Proudly I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying that in a bad way. That's good. Yeah. I think it's weird. I like it. You know, like Portland says, like, keep Portland weird and Austin, Texas is weird and all that stuff like that. It's like, we don't, you know, talk about like Minnesota being weird, but yeah, it's, uh, it's not really a weird place. I, I wish it would be weirder. Like, wanna know what Minnesota's lacking? More like goofy, gimmicky, like anything out of the box bands. Like, I want more. You guys are, pr- you mean other than yourselves? Oh, yeah. I remember on our 2015 tour, like, we had. There were some, and that's why we started our band. Minnesota people ride hard for minnesota bands remember we played those two halloween shows the uh, the amsterdam hall yeah yeah i think i think we just played one one okay oh and then you've come back and played you played uh, kitty cat club with us yeah. yeah yeah but i'm saying like in the same day well i'm just saying people ride hard for local minnesota shows that was our biggest show of the tour because it was a cool hum- homecoming show for you guys and like yeah. people from minnesota then support the we U- also play the most amount of shows in minnesota yeah and because you're there you can like play more like free shows like we play more like in the park free at noon you know what i mean you can gather a bigger audience that way like if we lived in cali you know where there's the most amount of people or something like that and like we could you know you can be like hey will you play this show in the park for a hundred dollars it's like yeah probably can because we're there you know what i mean so Sorry, you're, you're saying, no, Minnesota came out for us because they love us. Minnesota loves you guys because they're <laughs> everyone. Anytime I meet anyone from Minnesota or, or the Midwest, but Minnesota mainly, especially Minneapolis, I mentioned you guys like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and what do they say? Oh, they're great. Oh, they've done great. Oh, they know who we are? Dude, fools from Minnesota. Maybe I'm being. You're modest, Brian. And that's the sweet thing is, about you. Is my modesty foolishness? Well, you, well, this is where the, we're talking about the line. But Sometimes I don't feel like. Like when I hear that, like that sounds like that sounds like you're blowing smoke a little bit. No, people from Minnesota, especially band people, I guess. Not like James Williams from Minnesota. Hi, nice to meet you at the airport. That's my dad's name. Is it? No. No. <laughs> people from that'd be funny, your dad Ed Nerd. His, his name's James, but yeah. No, but like I'm saying that anyone who's in the music scene or promoters or venues or anyone oh, okay. That's they cool. know you guys. Because you you're the you're the cool kids band from I hope we spend enough on Facebook ads. <laughs> That's something you've taught me about. Gosh. Even though Facebook's evil, we're trying to get away from it. We got to go Google. They're all evil. Okay. What do you want to know, Lars? I just we're six hours in our podcast No, we're about an hour. We're we're about an hour. Um, What, like, do you feel artistically fulfilled from this, like, random happenstance creative touring project that has become profitable and it's growing? Is it fulfilling? And what ways is fulfilling? What ways is it hard? H E double hockey sticks. Yes, it is so fulfilling. Cool. It's the reason. It's. I mean, I have my fam- I have my family, and it looped in there as like friends and stuff like that. And then this, and that's just kind of what keeps my like brain busy all the time. And I like flip back and forth between them at all times. Like I'm thinking of songs all the time. I like having stuff to do. I like to be. I'm a busybody. You know. 
I like to stay busy. Like we we're talking busy, about. To- <laughs> well, a busybody. My grandma would use that term for like someone who won't mind their own business. Oh, I guess um, maybe that's a different term. <laughs> I have a restlessness, or go. I don't know. Is that something? I mean, we've been on tour for three days, and I've already like had two new projects, and I'm like, hey, should we start this new thing? <laughs> And then I'm telling you on the opposite side to be like, slow down in the project, Lars. So is this fulfilling? Completely, completely. Because it's something that Neil and I completely created. And um, I have to watch out that I'm not like overstepping. Like I want it to be creatively going for Neil too. But it's even gotten, I think we've gotten stronger as like a duo. And it is because we write songs more as like, like he's a lyricist and I'll write like chorus and melody. You know what I mean? And it it's more cohesive. We're more cohesive than we ever were before. So but, he's more the lyricist and you're more the hooks and the beats. Yeah. I'm thinking more of like theme and then he's helping me like hone that theme in. And then he, cause he's a, he's a writer. I mean, you're like Lennon he, and McCartney really. <laughs> I guess. But I'm, I, I, I'm big picture and he can like help like see that like little fine detail. Like he's a writer. He's a writer. He's, you know, He's a great writer. He is so good. He needs to write more. And he's up on. He's always up on on tech trends. And so on top of it, and basketball. It is extremely fulfilling. Do you feel? Do you feel fulfilled? That was a lot of Fs. Well, you know, that alliteration. Going back to that, I what I feel fulfilled about is um, how I've more or less done this on my. You know, with the help of people, but like no big label, no like big major media companies. Like, of course, Warp Tour is like a corporate festival but yeah but you work with that stuff yeah it's like it's like yeah, but you brought your brand to that right i love that i have ownership of it if i think if it were like if a company if i were like a kid and it was like a, a thing like get up on stage and perform do so, sing this song do this do that sure you'll make money the fact that i have complete freedom of i'll do a poe album i'll do a roger rabbit album i i don't care i'll do whatever that makes it fulfilling but there's a line, my friend John Rubin has a, a line, it's, he, he says, it's a dangerous thing to be paid to motivate. I think it's a dangerous thing to be paid to be silly and goofy and to be the foolish, silly rapper. That sucks, you know? And it's like, that's why that's the other side, like Roger Rabbit has this deep existential crises because when things don't go perfectly for him, he's he has that like, when you're the funny, goofy person, but you feel this loss or this inauthenticity in it, it's crushing when the business isn't skyrocketing or your numbers aren't coming up or you're like growing social media or otherwise. So you have to have a deeper element to it. And to me, it's like going back to, we're talking about like the metaphor of having this life on stage where it's your house, you know, that's like important. Ownership is so important to me and like not co-opting my integrity and I see that in you guys because it's like, yes, you've had like proprietary platforms that you've both benefited from sharing on, you know what I mean? Like the, the screen stuff you're on in the classrooms and stuff like that, it, go noodle or whatever, like that is, but you always have owned your property and it's something that you're invested in yourself that you created yourself. And I think that's, I don't know, being a silly performer is fun when you have that ownership. Something, I said the same thing three that's times. Fine. No, no, but there's something that helps us keep that going and I could see like if we were, if we jumped in saying like we're a kids man from the get go and like this is what we're going to be, I could see that being um, very like suffocating. And I could see like a lot of like kids man stuff like that, like having a hard time. But we like, 
we now admit like, hey, we're a kids, we're a family band, we're a kids band. You know what I mean? Like we know that we're not fighting that anymore. Like we used to fight it because we kind of like we're like, no, we're like a goofy like adult band. You're flying you know? the concords, sure, or something like that. Yeah. But um, when you're talking about like getting paid to be like the silly man. I don't know. Still, when I step up, I get that high out of like, because ours is like less of like a doing a joke and we're trying to like get something out of the crowd. Like we're trying to get you to dance and like we will never be satisfied. And also like we like walk this line of, you know, we're, we are not fully a kid's band. We're not fully an adult band. We're like, we're weirdos in both places, I guess. I don't know. That helps us like, we don't really fit in every anywhere. So it helps us like weave that a little bit. But you're talking about being fulfilled. I'm trying. I have yeah. I have pictures in my brain of like what I want to say, but I have a hard time like saying them. But um, have being your own boss, like being your own entrepreneur, right. like you're still like working in a marketplace and stuff like that, and you have to create products that like work. And that's what we're always like thinking about, like how can these things like work? The thing you talk about now, you talk about how like cuckoo can like live forever. We have a hard right. time. Be, we have a hard time now. We're like what are our new songs going to be about? We've already sang about dinosaurs and rainbows and unicorns and cats and pirates and ninjas and, um, and, this and this. I mean, yeah, poop and fart and zits and Panera and all the, like, and like that, it's like, what is left to talk about? And that is the new like thing. Like now we're writing songs and we have like, you know, eight new demos working on to like put out and, um, like, you, where what? do we where do we go where do we go from here and that is a fun new challenge and that you were talking right. jumping way back to like when you're talking about Panera and talking uh -huh. about theme albums uh -huh. that's why we do a theme album because we like to create a box around ourselves and then we like ping off the box to like write within like if somebody's just like write a song I'm like about what and that's why I like a theme they're like write a song about apples and you're like okay I'm not gonna be like we've written too many songs about like apples are cool or we're only gonna eat apples so now it's like now you have to like dive in deeper. Like what's funny about apples and like, right. What's well, funny and like weird about apples and like, what's that minute thing. And it could be like, I don't know. Just like you said, like I'm going to eat all, I'm going to eat the core of the apple or something. Right. Yeah. You're the person that old, that eats the whole apple. You even swallow the seed, like that kind of thing. And then, so you create that box and then you, then you write the, the simple hook within that. So that's why we do theme records. That's why I did. Right. We did, that's so why we did the yeah the motivation record because right. we wanted to make this like tool basically like we didn't want to make fun of motivation records but we didn't also want to make a full on one we want to make something that was like you could either laugh at or like use in your real life so we make these like theme albums because it helps us give us a box to work forward so we're like that helps you to write within right because if you're right, gonna if we right, just right. put a song about like this song's about believing in yourself like and you just took that as a single that's that'd why. be like that's super corny but if it's like oh it's part of a a motivation like cassette tape uh huh I don't know so it can it's uh, creating context around something. Right, does that make any context. sense well you know my first the first album that Eric came out on a label that I did was called Radio Pet Fencing and it's that theme of you create a box around something and the box might be invisible to the audience but this guy, Rick Mastin, was this poet from Big Sur who I interviewed on my radio show in high school. He talked about, like, okay, so here, so we're in a hotel right now. I'm holding a remote. You put a remote on the table. Who cares about the remote? But if you were to create, like, a, a fence around it, it's like, okay, well, the fence is a 3D object. So where are you standing at the fence defines, like, do I see the remote from the side? Does it look like an obelisk from 
from 2001 Space Odyssey? Do I see the buttons? So it, get, it gives it a framing device creating a fence around what you're doing, literally, and I guess poetically. So radio pet fencing was, okay, so the, that fence might be invisible. So the idea of like you have these invisible fences around these album concepts that you then pick songs from in your set. So people might not know that you did a whole cat EP. They just know cat party da, 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 or whatever. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And so then we spent our whole life mission trying to be like, Hey, there's five cat songs. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, but no, but it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's a great art. I feel like is a rabbit hole that goes infinitely deeper. And you're saying, yeah, but I see what you're saying. You're saying like, it still works from wherever you see it. Exactly. And the fence yeah. is, is mutable and, and fungible. And but, it's the peregrination. That's a term one of my guests, Eamon Dolan, talked about. The, the way things, you know, like a peregrine falcon, the way things move has a life of its own. But as an artist, you have to have a contextual framework for talking about it, which is why I like doing the Poe EP, doing the album with okay, Meg Duran. This is where I'm going to get it. Yeah. And this, I'm trying to just, you're helping me like talk about myself and uh -huh. not flip the whole interview on you. I'm, am I doing okay? Yeah, you're, you've been very candid with your answers. I'm trying. Um, okay, but this is something where we, when I first met you and yeah. heard about you and I was like, he does theme records. I was like, I love a concept record. I love right, a theme right. record. And this is where, but even beyond that, and, you know, is like, okay, so you were asking about the Panera record. Like at first we were playing with like punk bands and metal bands and like dirty indie bands and stuff like that. So we had to be different from that. So we were being like ultra kidsy, but now that people think we're like a kid's band, we need to be like, how can we be different than that? So like we write, a whole album, a non-actual sponsored record about a insanely boring chain restaurant that's like taking over America, Panera. And it's like people don't understand it. Like we get moms being like, why are you soliciting our children like this? And it's like, we're not soliciting anything. We wrote it out of like our love and they, they don't, well, they don't know so how much to Panera with you guys on the road. I mean, yeah. so. I mean, for us, like it started as a joke. It's like, what's like a thing that would be really boring. This band that's like, Ooh, rainbows and like unicorns and this. What do they eat? Oh, salads. Oh, we eat. They were talking about pizza and this and like it's milkshakes. And it's like Andy Warhol doing super, the soup cans. Yeah, it's super boring. Yeah, so like for us, it's that. It's always like a a flip, whatever. And for me, seeing seeing these moms, now I say moms because they're the ones writing that. Maybe dads think this too, but like people that see us now as a kid's man and they're like, what are you doing? Because they're they only think of like, Paw Patrol and like other Disney like things and stuff like that. And well, like, they think that they think you're sponsored by Panera. <laughs> yeah, right? it's awesome. It just makes me it make that okay. When you talk about getting fulfilled and joy, that makes me happy. And then my favorite song on the album is "My Dreams Came True." <laughs> now I own a Panera. Where it goes through like he his goals are so stupid. And eventually, what's the first one? First, he wants to work at one. Then he manages work one. one manages, then he, he owns. <laughs> so stupid, but it's so funny because it's like. Uh, aesthetically neil it's not singing neil's just writing it in his journal right yeah and each chorus is like <laughs> increasingly stupider i'm like you guys are hilariously brilliant because you're making fun of like the american dream is being a bastion for consumption and aligning with a brand and how that defines us but it also can really fulfill us like a good sandwich every day can be good it's like this commentary on the dark side of the american dream and how like even if you own a franchise you're really part of this like cthulian monster that you know, takes people's money and is built on the, the backs of all the, the <laughs> negative repercussions of imperialist capitalism and how then also with the you brandy thing, <laughs> where it's like, it's like the St. Louis bread co being flipped to this benign. The story of the origin story of Panera is fantastic. Let's hear it. And we know it all. No, you, a guy, 
Guy Raz interviews the president and CEO on uh, how I built this, and it's a well, give quick, me the, it's a quick forty minute. Give me a, a, a minute synopsis. Well, the coolest thing about it is that so they as a company. Well, first of all, they're a private company; they're not public. Like they own, okay. I can't remember, but they owned, is it Alba on Pawn? Basically this guy was like, he finds brands that work and he like makes them better. Right. So he like his, he's the kind of person that. The guy, sorry, Panera, who runs the, the podcast. He like runs the biz, he runs the business of it. I don't, I can't remember, but I'm talking about the Panera okay. guy. All right. He like saw the cookie company worked and he like. Figured out how to make that better. How he makes like he sees an idea and how does it make it better? Like I, there's people out there that like you don't have to be the origin person. You know, you just have to like. There's people out there that can. They're a producer or something. You know, what I mean, they can like see what you made and how we can take what your art is and make it like a bigger. Or like, thing. have you seen the founder about McDonald's? Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. that. It's it, a great movie. Cre- cre- yeah, Michael Keaton. Yeah. Is it Ray Kroc? Ray Cry, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can see him as the greatest human ever or like the devil. Like if you were the Mac brothers, you were like, this person ruined my life. Well, and I, and I, but he also like created it. Yeah, but wait, wait, going back to the parent thing. So he, Albaum Pain or whatever, how how do you say that? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So that was a bigger store than what St. Louis Bread Company was. And that guy, St. Louis Bread Company was like in the suburbs, lots of space free wi-fi stay as long as you can and that was worth that was yeah that was worth less than album pain and he convinced the entire board whatever to kind of like push away or sell album pain or something like that i can't remember fully but like and then put all your chips into stainless bread company and then they transitioned it to be panera for like a but it, like to convince somebody to be like this lesser thing, that's gonna be better than this thing that's making so you wait, money. So, so Panera is an offshoot of Aubon Pan. Well, I mean, they own both those. Co- they own St. Louis Bread Company. I can't remember. Listen well, to the guy Ross. It's thing. a metaphor for you guys being like, no, let's not do serious rock. Let's do silly I mean, yeah. joke stuff. Put money in this, and you and Neil went all in on it. And when was so? Here's my question: What at what point did Cuckoo become like? Oh. Like if I put money and invest time in this, my tax return is going to be like from this more than a side hustle. Like what were the factors that led to Cuckoo becoming a full-time project? Because this is an interesting tipping point for me because I want to preface this saying for me, it was easy. One person out of college, I was blessed to tour and do this right out of college, but that's because I was one guy. So when did this project become enough to sustain two middle-class dudes with families Maybe like, like three years ago. I don't know. Neil might say a different number than that. I don't remember. So we've been, I guess February was 11 years. So that means we're in our 12th year or what? We were like working on it all the time and working our like other jobs. Was it Warp Tour? Was it the Yo Gabba Gabba stuff? Was it? Not Gabba. It came, um, okay, so we like was toured on our own Go stuff. No, no. We were already kind of rolling on it before that thing kind of came around. We already had made like DVDs before they existed and stuff. Because like you did that. a you did a workout DVD that was like one of your first. Yeah, you're fishing. I'm not helping you. I'm not helping you. How, when was it? Um, but there wasn't like a sign. Was there I a moment? I guess there I'm there that. there wasn't one moment. It just kind of came down to. I think it kind of came. I was working at the I worked at the YMCA my whole life doing like every job, and I was working a full time job because I just gotten married at the Y, and we got asked to be. Oh, it was the Frank Turner tour. It was okay. like we got asked. We were kind of we had, we were floated. I think like five years in, we had already toured a bunch of times with the Aquabats. They had taken us around the whole United States, 
and we had toured then beyond that and the gimmick got a little stale for us we didn't know where we were going to kind of go next and i had gotten married and i got a full-time job because i needed some benefits and stuff like that and and then frank had seen us like three years prior and was like i'm gonna take you out we're like okay and we had done our own little tours and side jobs and we had just put out the workout dvd and then frank said hey do you want to come on this like 46 date tour across like the whole united states and all of canada he said yeah and my coworker was like my boss let me go i think but after that i went back to my job but he was like you need to go give this full time so it was more of like we went after it full time to put more effort into it there wasn't like money there so i mean that's what i think a lot of right the work came first yeah you we we had already been hustling it for a while and becoming so we went kind of full-time on it and then it grew like hustling shows birthday parties playing schools playing all kinds of stuff to like just try to like make the bills and put stuff together and then we've kind of fine-tuned it a little bit to like figure out what we're doing and things rolled it, go noodle definitely helped like definitely got us into a bigger audience of schools and then right. we pivoted we stopped working with them over you know differences um and you know those differences gave me an ulcer and stuff like that you know but uh, but then um, <laughs> no so wait so but then our whole job uh what were we gonna ask how did aquabats discover you aquabats okay so we that were was just big, that's how i found out about you guys we them. were touring just in the midwest basically going around in our in i think we borrowed neil's parents car what, it was like calling a white venues car. and asking to open or the way less than that like it was way less than we were playing house parties. We were playing DIY shows. How did you? We did brought you, our own PA. It was places. like a secret list of house shows, or yeah, there was like DIY.com and there was all right. kinds of stuff. Booking, we would like book a tour and put it together. We were just like, you have to like never stop. We had to like hit these places every three months to six months. And would you retain an audience or no? Because that's yeah, amazing. Yeah, people would kind of come a little bit. You'd try to like play with a couple other bands in each town. And then a, a local promoter who was so funny, he put us on a Frank Turner show and the Aquabats, the same guy. Shout out to him, man. Yep. Do you remember his name? Yep. Shout out to him. And I can't remember right now. Yes, I know it. Um, but uh, so say, oh, he put us on. He just, we yeah. were, this is, this is okay. This is the big theory of like Cuckoo. Cuckoo is like what Neil and I have said to each other. Is it can be either really good at something or be really good at being different. And so we just try to be like really good at being like everywhere you see us, we hope to like stand out. This is the binary for success. Either you're excellent or you're different. Yeah. And if you're excellent at being different, that's what what I'm saying. You have to be good at being different. So for us, we just try to be like, no matter what bill we're on, even when we're playing with you guys and we're all like iPod bands, like how are we going to be different than the other iPod bands? And that gets tricky every once in a while, you know? And so with that, I think the Aquabats, they were on a Yo Gabba Gabba tour and they were playing club dates and they haven't played Minnesota since. And there were all these, like they got handed a list of ska bands and we were the only non-ska uh, right, band. Right, right, and they're right. like, cool, those guys. And they didn't even see us. Like their manager, Nate, said, come in and see these guys. And they, saw our, they saw our last song. Yeah, Nate Rogers. Which was what? Oh, hey, the, the promoter guy, his name is James DeCourcy. Oh, James. He is incredible. I was thinking about it for a second. I was trying to think. Yeah, he James DeCourcy. He works at... He's a, what was the promotion company or independent? Guy? He worked for a promotion company. I can't remember what he's doing now. So he put but, you on with yeah. Frank as well. He put us on the festival, yeah, that we played before Frank. Yeah, and Frank saw you. Yeah, so interesting but, how like one person can. You always got it. Like this is what I love about you guys is even if there's weird science has a lyric about this. You got to give it your all. Even if there's five people there, it could be the one person who starts and ignites your whole career. 
right? You always, when, when you guys play for, I played show with you guys, especially in the early years where it was like not popping, four or five people. And you guys play like it's 10,000 people. We try, yeah. You don't, you don't, and it's like, are they crazy or are they just really great performers? A little bit of both. And that's like, if you hadn't been ready for these opportunities, if you'd done a lackluster show without, you know what I'm saying? Like the fact that Aquabats and Frank Turner saw you guys and then the touring helped launch this is like, that's an advice for young people. It's the secret, really. It's the, that book, you know? It's like, you got to imagine that it's already happening. If you, if you fake it till you make it, you will make it. And that might sound cliche, but that's always been my, my approach too. Like if you take being silly seriously, you're going to do okay. You know? Yeah. But being silly is, is like a serious thing. You know what I mean? Like in to get like going back to, we didn't talk about camp stuff, but I worked at camps my yeah. whole life. Yeah. I mean, that's where like our, our show is a campy vibe. It's like a giant, they're all just like camp cheers with some beats. You know what I mean? But in in order to control like an amphitheater, like when you, you've been at camps, right? That leader has to control an amphitheater through like Penn and Teller style, like repetition, right? speed. Like there's a lot of things that I would try to like teach other counselors like, hey, you need to, after, you need to think about what camp cheer you're going to do after this camp cheer. Because like after that camp cheer, if you're just going to go back in a huddle, and be like, what are we going to do now? Are we going to do the frog song? Are we going to do like boom, chicka, boom? Like you lost your five-year-olds. You got to like keep moving. So there's so many things that I've learned from right. that. But you're talking about, we were talking about being s- serious about being silly. Like right. it's less about that. It's, it's more about like audience control. It's like whether you're doing, and I always thought about that too. I remember falling asleep in my economics professor's thing. And it's like, you need to be, I always used to be like, why can't you be like goofier? Like he just doesn't know how to get a crowd. You can use humor to bring people in and like music and melody and repetition. And um, what the ser- one of the most serious moments when I tour with you guys every time, like when it's like, don't talk to Brian and Neil right now is when you guys are doing the set list for the show. And it's oh, so yeah. funny over here. Like, okay, we're going to do everyone poops. Oh, and shit. then we're going to go into Popsico. And then we're going to do dragons or magic. And then we're going to end with dancing with my bunnies in the yard. Like you're so serious and just record. It's like, I made those last few up, obviously. But you're so serious about the DNA of what makes the show work because you prep, you put the iPod together, you you know your gaps, you you take it serious. You're not just on stage like flopping around. You really are ready. That's funny they said that because just tonight at tonight's show, we're doing the set and Neil's uh-huh. sitting next to me and he says like, Brian, I can't hear you speak up because I'm like trying to whisper, be like, okay, so are we gonna play fanny pack or not? Like, do you think this crowd would be into it? You know, it's like, yeah. That's funny you said Oh, he that. said you can't hear me when you. I were- was like whispering. You were just talking about us like getting Why serious. Why whispering? Because you don't want. For some reason, when we, whenever I like get to the You're set, I'm like, it's a huddle. It's that's don't talk to Brian and Neil. That's so funny Brian. that you think that. I give yeah. you a wide berth as, <laughs> as you birth the set list. Hey. Yeah, as we're touching that little pink iPods. Yeah, it's cool, man. And I think that I don't know. In a way, it's funny because the way your partnership with Neil has been a model for my friendship with Megaran and that like what goes into making a friendship work, giving space. And obviously Megaran and I are solo artists, but like seeing how you guys work together is kind of how I feel like, yeah, Mega has stuff that he does well and I have stuff that I do well. And I hope that our project, we do Dewey Decibel and stuff, we'll continue to do more because I feel like he's a um, collaborator I've always hoped to meet and our friendship and working relationship, it's now almost... It's, I guess, close to a decade, but it's been organic and fun. And 
I respect what he has to say. And when Mega Ran and I are both on the same page, it's usually we have great. And it's like with you and Brian, when, uh, you and Neil on the same page. It's a Venn diagram. I of don't freshness. know how you two do the solo stuff. Because when I think about like doing a solo show by myself and not having Neil, I, I'm terrified. That would probably that'd give me so much anxiety. Like being by yourself, like I have no one to lean on. Like I have Neil to be like, no matter what, this show can, that's another thing about like this show can bomb but I have Neil and we both went into it hard. Like you, how you sure. do that, how, okay, this is what we didn't, we're, are we done? Are we done? No, I, we should probably I, I, finish. there's one more thing I want to talk about after this, but right. we're still under, this is still shorter than most of my podcasts. So. Well, we got to keep it short. Cause I like, I like 90 second songs. You know what I mean? We got to keep it low, but Minor threat. we'll talk about Going this. Back to we'll talk about this in our bed that we're going to share tonight. Talk about it on the mic. We've got nowhere to be the listeners that they could turn it off if they don't care. It's a great, that's one of the assets of long form content. That's what well, I wanted to, I wanted to go yeah. back to like the songness and like being silly. Did you at the beginning, did you see yourself as being silly or did you see yourself just being like goofy or? Well, you know, I mean, I, I used the, to, oh, sorry, go ahead. At the beginning. At the beginning, like I would, like you, I had, I was in punk bands and rock bands and then I would do serious songs, singing guitar, solo stuff. And but the beginning of MC Lars, I'm right? This, the, that that's the the genesis of that was it was the silly stuff, the quirky stuff that got a reaction. So silly got a reaction, and it may be like you guys, like you know, some of my earlier stuff is, you know, like song adolescent pain and feeling, whatever teenage. So it's hard to be a teenager, but silly was what got a reaction. And so or, you rolled with it. Or literary. One of my first raps was Rap Beth, which was a Shakespeare rap about Macbeth for a class assignment. Oh, I, so that set up. That was my one of my first songs because it had a hook. It's like, oh, you take the poetic meter of something. And so then, you went with, you threw a lot at the wall. You went with what worked. Yeah, totally. Because some of my, gosh, I had a lot of serious, some of my stuff was political. That would, uh, there was this girl I had a crush on that I wrote a, oh God. I did a, a, a acoustic version of annabelle lee by poe based on like how i felt about her and i like burned her as cdr is so embarrassing and i got no reaction and she didn't respond not really but in my yearbook she wrote thanks for the annabelle lee cd i still have it you know i'm glad she didn't like did she write hags under there like what hugs no hags have a great summer no no she didn't what's another one of those yearbook things like the we didn't have that but i remember being yeah i was Music was a, there's a blur album. Music is my radar, right? And I always felt like that because it's like, it's hard to process emotions. Yeah, and then you look back at your yearbooks, you're like, oh, something's, I don't know. That's like a, that's like a really haunting, crippling memory of like that emotional intimacy of writing someone you had a crush on when I was like 16, a song, giving her a CDR and like getting no reaction. It's like, oh, so that was like, okay, well, to go back in the relationship thing, my first girlfriend was from Minnesota. And I remember she had, a, there was like a CDR of one of my songs that one of her roommates she had. And I had this song about um, lizards. It was called Lizards in My Room. And the chorus is, this is the only lyrics in the song. I have lizards in my room, so I hit them with the broom. And I remember, so corny, but her and her roommate made a, a dance to the song. I was like, oh, if someone likes a silly song, and it makes them like want to reach out to you and get to know you better. That's better than like an off-putting, heart-bearing, emotional. So it was an accident. You know what I'm saying? Like how yeah. I related to people was like, and then it becomes. It's funny how it's more of a, it's funny how like a, it's more of a connection tool. Silliness can be yeah. disarming. Yes. And then you can actually like, 
like I would, like let's say tonight's show, right? If I came yeah. up there and like poured my feelings out in some kind of like I don't know, even if we were a traditional rock band, I wouldn't have as many people coming up and chit-chatting with us after the show, like just to talk, like and I just like to chit chat with people, I like to small talk with people. I like to find out what's their vibe, what they do, right? That's like one of your superpowers. Yeah, I just like and so for me, doing cuckoo almost gives me it's like a calling card to basically like, let's chat. Are you weird? Let's talk. Right. You know what I mean? So you're talking about like disarming people with silly and like you could you could connect with people. Yeah, I feel like, but you could connect with your type of people. If you think about right. it, like I'm really what I'm looking for is I'm looking for fun, campy people who like cartoons and like kids stuff as much as me. I've always thought my whole life like a Disney movie comes out or like some universal thing comes out and oh, they always make like the all the shirts that are in Target and Walmart are like cool, they're kid sizes, but they don't make an XL shirt. And I've always been pissed forever. I always wanted to light up LA gear with Velcro like in size 14 they don't make them and they don't do they're like oh they're like they really say to adults like you can't be you can't not kids anymore like, you can't have fun anymore you can't be weird and i remember when we were on the ogaba gaba tour there were like teenagers that would come just by themselves because they're like dude dj lance rock's the coolest and i was like you are gonna be the most stellar humans ever right and that's what i love about punk and that's what christian bat commander told me it's like punk is about being unafraid to be different and a little uncool and a little whack wait say that again say that again what bat commander said he said it's okay being punk is about being different it's about being yourself it's about yeah. it's not necessarily about being cool my friend sean was saying how it's like being cool and trying to be stylistic and hip is kind of what can kill your creativity and i think that's something i try to like pass on to kids that it's okay to be weird and it's an asset to be different and and Punk and hip hop to me are about making your weaknesses your strengths. And all the artists I've looked up to, you know, from Wesley Willis to Weird Al to Adam's Package to King Missile to some of my favorite nerdcore rappers are the ones who took something that like made life hard and turned it into their superpower. And that's like the ultimate remix and the ultimate manifestation of this concept of circumlocution, which I always talk about on this podcast, which is you speak around something in a way that like gets more power because you're able to to look at the world in a different way. So for example, like like taking a sample of of a of a beat and then and, and and giving it a different context. Taking the fact that writing a post song, a serious post emo post song for a girl who like could not have cared less is is not what I should have been doing. It should have been doing funny things about the academic side of Poe. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, because really we're all just fragile, sad, impermanent people with who go to who die alone and we're coming to this world alone. So let's just remind each other that like our imperfections are beautiful. And I think that's important. Dang. You know what I mean? I was mean? about to say cussy, but yeah. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say the oh. thing, but that that's right? see this is this is this, here here's what here's what I love talking to you because it makes me so i just like i'll rant for 45 minutes and then i'll say what i want to say right well i do that too and that's why i love talking to you is because it's like oh hey we just you have to talk for 90 minutes before you say the thing you want to say like you just said it right there yeah that's beautiful that are that what our imperfections make like what did i say that our ugly things make us beautiful let's talk for another 90 minutes until we get that Brian, no how, your, your imperfections oh, yeah, yeah and like I can't sing, so I shouldn't be doing an emo dashboard confessional Poe love song, but I can rap and I have rhythm. You can, I can sing. You can sing. Thanks, Brian. I can draw and um, 
You so, definitely can draw. Thank you, man. So it's like you have a lot of talents. Thank you, Brian. And that's something that's like been really like why I always I don't know. I, I feel like whenever we talk, I talk about like the aesthetic things about Weird Al that that drive me. His last major label album was called Mandatory Fun, which is kind of a play on the idea that it was his final album on a major street major label. It's like the idea of being having to punch in the clock to be silly. He's yeah, like dancing, man. man. Yeah, right. Mandatory fun. Like you come to our show and we got to make you happy. And it's very painful when you don't feel like a healthy, strong person who's doing it because you feel free. Do it. You do it because you're trapped and it's the only option you have. And it's it's about giving yourself the tools to um, make yourself feel. Yeah, I don't know. Empowered to be a new media creator or an artist. Right. I don't think I don't think Cuckoo is big enough to feel like we're punching the clock on fun. I don't think we're big enough yet. I don't think enough people, I think like people know of us, but they don't know like fully of us that they have like expectations for us. Teachers across the country know you guys. Yeah, but they, they know like, I mean, teachers are like the ultimate like word spreaders of us. And they're, they're like, I'm trying they're to taste. Teachers are the ultimate tastemakers, aren't they? I mean, they like, they have, it's like, it's like they we had a match and that's what cuckoo is and then they're like they're like a flamethrower of gasoline to be like let's spread this everywhere because they just share like crazy well there's nothing like you for the brain breaks and all that yeah and so i hope they keep finding more but um anyways just going on the thing of like you were talking about like like have you burned out or like you feel like you're turning it on right i feel like we are have never we're not like that level yet like i look at like any pop star and mm-hmm. i just feel like it looks like they're on top of the world but to me it looks like you're in a golden prison you know what i mean sure. and i still feel like we are a little bit and i hope we can stay a little bit under the radar and a little bit almost like a weird enough that we keep the most of the mainstream away so uh-huh. that we can still keep that like a little bit of freedom that well that's it's interesting that that's a good comparison making like the pop star um, Sheen is is like a golden cage and how if you're someone like Ian McKay, you're still making music you care about and you still care about the promulgation of it enough that you're making sure podcasters' mics are working, right? That you're so involved in the tech. Oh, it's the Joe Pug podcast he was on. It's a songwriting podcast. And it was so funny to listen to it. Okay. It made me like... Joe Pug great. with like a dog? Like yeah, a, yeah. Uh, he's a singer-songwriter. Okay. And he has a great podcast. But that was cool. the podcast he was on. Yeah, well, that's the thing, man. Check I, in. He wanted like the click. Yeah, but that's what you're talking about. It's about the human experience, the human connection. It's not about the commodity of it. And I think I kind of want to make uh, – I just like – I always use Nirvana as like a touchstone for like for like artistic – That's fine. A lot of people know who Nirvana is, so it's good. So when when Kurt – I heard about them once. Kurt and Steve Alb- – Kurt worked with Steve Albini on what would be their last record. And they liked – they wanted to work with him because – he wasn't doing it for the money. He was someone who had credibility, who wanted to get away from that prison you talked about and just create something to have that weirdness and the beauty of like that independence. And I think that is, yeah, I think I hope that that's something that will always exist in this crazy like market for competing for everyone's attention and monetizing stuff and trying to find the middle of the road content and whatever. The last thing I want to talk about is how has fatherhood changed you? Oh, Papa Bear stuff? Yeah. Mm, it's, um, well, it did whatever. It's done what a lot of, like, the books and stuff talk about. Like, it's focused you in. Like, you don't have, you have less time to, like, do stuff because, like, I want to hang out with my kid and future kids. 
And so you clear the junk off and you focus on like what's important, you know? Um, so it's, it's made me, I already like my wife already made me a little bit more organized and like less messy and like focused. And this has like taken that and like focused me in a little bit more. So that's one. Um, it definitely all your issues that come forward, like they expose like all your, all your well, crap. Your even hiding. Yeah. Just like, Hey, but you have a kid. It's like, you know, you've been putting off therapy for a while. Yeah. You're going to have to go to therapy cause that's all coming out. <laughs> Let's see other stuff. Um, well, wait, wait. So, so, it, so it, for it, conf- you confront your emotions. Just out on everything. It just comes out. Yeah. It just throws it all on the table and it only happens the more, the older the kids get. Yeah. It just comes out more and more. Right. Yeah. Um, it's helped me, I don't know, become less cynical. I think it's it's made you more optimistic. I don't see you as a cynical person. Super cynical. About what? Everything. Yeah, no. but yeah, you, don't you hear all my like dark jokes I say like all the time? Like what? That pest about human nature? Yeah, I guess maybe it's more realism. Yeah, maybe that is. But anyways, okay. But it helps me. I guess I was getting to a point where I was focusing on like cuckoo a lot in business and all this stuff, and it's helped me like loosen up like we're just going to go to the park and we go to the zoo a lot and we're going to go do these things and we read just we read an insane amount of books and we dance a lot and it's loosened me up a little bit it's actually like going to be the thing that takes cuckoo in another 10 years like he's having interesting kids. really yeah because you're you are writing songs for him too or what no not that no just like it's just um help me be like relax it's going to be okay yeah let's just like love life a little bit. It's actually like, I think when you like work on something so much, like maybe I was smothering cuckoo a little bit, like working on it, this must be, we have to. And it's like, let it go. You got to like, let's go play with the kids a little bit. You know what I mean? And so it seems like it's like by letting go, like Neil's always like, Hey, maybe we should like, I'm like, Hey, let's put out a YouTube video every two weeks forever, basically forever. Let's never turn the switch off. And he's Uh like, let's let cuckoo breathe a little bit. Right. And like, let's get some distance and right. maybe more people come to it. And so maybe this is helping me see that because I have a pretty like defiant, like, no, let's do this. Let's go, 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 go. Never stop. So that's helped me. What mm-hmm. else? Well, wait, Brian, I feel like some, it's like. Have, being a dad is the best. Yeah. The stereotype that like being a dad for, if you're a full-time artist makes you give up your full-time artistry and go get a job and, and give up on this kind of free flowing dream but i guess it's also like you can it makes you double down on it too you're saying oh and and makes you enjoy it and be better at your job and that's like that's it's optimistic right double down yeah i think i think that all depends on the person and your relationship with your partner and your kid and your situation and your financials and stuff like that but and we're still just i always like so i have my teaching license and i'm just kind of like hey as long as i'm like kind of making what the average teacher's salary is i'm like okay we're doing okay basically um, sure. And so I, I guess I think is like why w- I, I'm trying to show my son not like how to be happy. Right. And that's not through like buying him stuff. That's like showing him like, hey, I can like give all of my love to my family and also all my love to like my dream and like do both of them. You don't have to like squash either of those things to like make the other one happen. Like, can't they all be fluid together? Now, this is we started our band like 10 years before I had a kid. So that's like one benefit. I'm not starting it like five years later, but 
I don't know. Why would you? Yeah. Why would you give up? I've never thought ever. Like people ask me like, right. oh, you're having a baby. Are you going to get rid of Cuckoo and like go work at Target? And it's like, do, you don't know who I am. Like, no. Well, like, do you? Never. I laugh at those people. I then laugh at people's faces. And I go, get away from me. <laughs> yeah. Don't crush my dreams. Don't, don't, don't. No don't way. Me. Well, but we'll it s- makes me a happier person. Like walking around being yeah. like writing like i'm writing we're writing a new song about glitter right so who knows if it'll come out or not but like writing that hook and working on stuff like having that like while i'm changing diapers or like three in the morning and he's crying because his molars are coming in or something like that like that's what like kind of keeps me happy and moving and like being able to go perform every once in a while and not all the time you have to balance it right it helps all of us and like does it change how long you want to be on the road or do you still you because you do these long what 10 week yeah but we did it we like came home for two weeks Uh that it was tough and they'll get tougher especially now that he'll like he knows i'm gone and like as we have more kids like they'll be like why are you abandoning us dad but maybe they'll like it maybe like finally dad's gone (laughs) like he's not gonna cook us crap food mom will cook the good stuff but a little i mean a little bit i but a little bit of it is like i want to keep growing this and i want it right tour the country and i want to play shows and Maybe it's making us tour smarter. Uh, you know, I'm not a father, but like my experience has been like being a married man. It's like, I want to be out. I want it to make sense and I want it to be impactful. And that's why like doing this tour with you guys here in England is great because it's different. It's great. The crowds have been great. And it's, but it's, it's not like being a 21 year old wanting to just live in a van for a month. It's no, I'm here with my friends. We're making money. We're having fun. We're playing to people. This yeah. is like important. And also right. I use tour also like I work hard to like on this tour, I have a giant to-do list, right? And that's why I bought like the SIM card that had unlimited data right? is because I'm in a like, like I'm, I have like house projects and stuff to do, but I'm trying to like get as much of that pre done. I'm trying to get all of our work done possible. It helps me like organize my life a little bit more. And so like touring I, does. Yeah. Cause like when I go, I can get all this stuff done. It's basically like my work hours. So when I can, when I come home, it's like we're gonna hang out now. A little bit of that comes down to like I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying, but comes down to what? I don't know. I'm. I mean, when people say you're gonna tour forever, it's like you kind of have to a little bit because live shows are where we like sell the most merch sure. and where we like make money and so yeah. It's it's long. And as I like driving more than flying. I despise flying. Really, I, I didn't know, know that about you. I take. Yeah, too organic Dramamine because they don't make you that sleepy. What, you just feel like the plane is... I just, uh, they just make me, I feel like I'm in like a time warp a little bit. Like I, especially like if we're, let's say we're flying out for like a one show, we're like leaving Mm -hmm. on the night before and we're coming home that night after the show. I feel like I was gone a whole week. Yeah, one-offs can be hard. It's, I like driving because it, I don't know, listen to podcasts and whatever. What else do you want to know about fatherhood? And Anything? Also, is that enough? Is that enough things? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's like. And also, I like being a dad and talking to other dads and people who are going to be dads and want to be dads because um, dads get a bad rap because they've probably been crappy in the past, but times are changing and yeah. more dads are stepping up. Like in all the baby books and mm-hmm. stuff like that, dads are basically like the lowest common denominator. They're like, hey, I hope you show up at your partner's ultrasound once. And it's like, what? Like, 
let's go to all the appointments if you can. Like I know jobs and stuff happen, but like, let's right, care. Right. Let's care. Let's step sure. up. Let's equal this. Well, talking about dudes got to step up. And so when I see yeah. fun dads, like I'm, I'm a champion of dads. I love seeing dads. And that's why I love atmosphere so much even now more than before uh-huh. is because <laughs> he's pro, he's got his boys and he is all about them and he's still working hard. And every, like, let's say if he has a day off, he, I see it on his Instagram. He's like, I'm flying home to surprise the family and stuff like that. And it's right. He's talking about changing diapers and like, I don't know. I just love that. I, that's just yeah. from a very, very outside perspective. I don't know anything about it, but well, what we're going to ask. No, I would say if it seems like fatherhood, people I have a lot of musician friends who've had kids. If you're fulfilled and feel strength and grounding in your business and your creativity, like you said, you can carry that into being a happy dad. It's the dads who feel like, they had to sacrifice something to have the family that is, is where it's problematic. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I mean, this is just me. This is just you. I mean, I do sacrifice a lot. I have yeah. to be away from my family, right? Right. To do this thing. But I hope that maybe they'll see that when I'm with them, I'm giving it my all and stuff like when that. When you're so. not on tour, it's just Brian all day. Yeah. At night. Mm-hmm. So when you're home, if 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 Gus is crying, your wife sleeps and you go feed him the bottle. Oh yeah, yeah. So so your wife knows she gets a break. Heck yeah, that's good, Brian. I tried to. I changed. No, I'm not gonna talk about that. I changed every diaper until we had to leave for that first tour. Right, right, right. So you can. I guess Liz had to karma point relationship karma point. Yeah, you gotta like you're gone and they're rocking it. Like you gotta come back in. You can't like kick up your feet. Like you gotta do double. So it's hard. It's hard to tour because like. You have sure. when you go because you're away and you want to be home, and then when you're home, you want like, oh, it'd be fun to tour and stuff like that. And like, tour is business. It's like a business job, you know what I mean? It's like a business, like a business trip. It's it's work. It's work. But when you're home, it's like you got to double it up. You know, you got to like. Yeah, I find I'm kind of messy, so I got to like be clean, and you know. I find that being married, when I'm home, I really want to. You know, I'm home. You know, I'm not, I'm not on tour as much as I used to be. I really want to be present. Boom. That's the word I was trying to think. Yeah, present and make this time special. And when my wife isn't working, make sure that time together is very, very important because Ashley is supportive and, and wonderful when I do have to go on the road to make money right now. And it's like, I imagine if we, you know, being, if one day, you know, being a dad, I would want to make, be present, but twice as present. And then you're having to make time for your relationship with your wife. It's like, it's it's a balancing act, but it also sounds like it's like could be the best thing in the world if you have that magic yeah. balance. Yeah, it, yeah, that's what I should have started with. And what, twenty the balance? minutes. This is what we're just talking about. It takes me nine minutes to say something, but like, uh, no, it makes you more present. I felt more present. You, I've been I've been feeling okay. more present with my friends. Yeah, I've been trying to feel more present with my family. Okay. We, Should we take an ad break for something quick? No, let's. I just want to. I, I want to tell a story. My my cousin is um for Tesco Calamari. Oh gosh, let's, hold on. Let's get back to that. My cousin and his partner recently adopted a kid, and we were. I saw him right before Christmas, and we we had we had a loss in the family, and so it's been hard. But like we we were talking, and we had lunch, and the sun was setting, and he was like, you know, watch these moments of like playing with my son while the sun's watching, seeing my cousin is the. These are like the magic things in life. You learn to be very present. And he's, you know, it's not his biologically a son, but he's, it's the same thing. Like becoming a father is, I hear it, 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 it grounds you and opens your eyes and makes you realize the things that you always, you realize as a kid, maybe. I don't know. Being present, I don't know. And also don't have a kid unless you want a kid. 
Right. It's hard. <laughs> okay. Parenting stuff. Today we went to test, well, we're not test Marks and Spencer's at the, uh, the rest station. You're going to admit this? This is gross, Lars. Well, on tour, I try to eat healthy and eat a lot of protein, and I ate some protein that was a little. Uh, you had truck stop seafood. <laughs> <laughs> I broke my veganism for, for some seafood today. And I had a lot of shrimp. You're not vegan if you're eating that garbage. I guess not. I've been trying to be vegan, though. That's not being vegan. Beef eating. Did it look gross? It maybe gave me energy, dude. I felt so good. We saw it because you said, oh, gross. What's that? And then later you picked it up and bought it. No, no, no. But the shrimp that was all like covered with pepper looked like it was dirty. That's what I was pointing at. Okay. And then well, we're checking it out. I'm like, do people buy this much seafood? He goes, yeah, it's three for, three, three for nine pounds. Everyone buys this much seafood. I'm like, see? Do we need to have a part two, part two of this? No, I mean, we're under, we're under, we're, we're coming up on two hours. So oh I, my gosh. Turn this off. Well, let's say goodbye. Bye. No, but any, what's up with social medias and whatever. Peace. No, <laughs> cuckoo kangaroo on Twitter. Nobody cares. <laughs> do you have a Brian Atchison Instagram? All gone. Really? Yeah, I deleted it all. I delete all our social media if it wasn't if we didn't have. Not uh, Neil though. Neil's pretty solo. Yeah, he rocks it. So you don't. We're different people. Yeah, I mean that's kind of that's gonna be interesting. So part two, ladies and gentlemen, is gonna be with Brian's rap partner. Wait, I thought Neil was gonna be part one. Whatever, you'll be part one. No, you should put Neil first. Why? He's gonna be. He's well, I've gonna, interviewed you first, so chronologically, I want to no, put you first. You should put Neil first because he's gonna make more sense, and I'm just like the like fun. Well, blah, what should blah. I ask Neil? You don't know. Stop. What? Well, why should I? No, you, this should be first because I've talked to you first. Otherwise, it's going to be confusing, especially this extended outro. When they're being this, like, no, I already heard Neil. No, no that's going to be the best thing about it. They're going to be like, ah, they were talking about know. this. It's depending on how it goes with Neil, he may be first. He's going to be first. Neil. Neil's a smart cookie. He's smart as heck. We love him, don't we? Yeah, we do love Neil. I'm glad I'm his friend. On Thanksgiving, I texted him and said, thank you for your friendship, Neil. I think I texted you that too, did I? <laughs> and he probably didn't text back. Well, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't take it personal. I know he saw it. I thought we were saying peace. Yeah, we're saying peace. Cuckoo I thought, kangaroo. I thought you were going to try to rep any of our cuckoo social media. You Could you shut me down? <laughs> cuckoo good. kangaroo. Don't do it. Nobody cares. All right, peace. Um, peace. Brian. One one record that what what's a good record to start on Whoop de Woo or whatever. Wait, of somebody else? No, uh, you guys. You should listen to Betty Who. Yeah, she's a great Australian what, pop. If, star. if anyone who hasn't heard Cuckoo Kangaroo, this is the introduction to you. What album should they play? You should either go onto YouTube and just click around until like scroll to the middle and basically like click on something you think is a goofy or yeah, Whoop de. Whoopi's classic. But Whoopi's Whoopi's like a yeah, 10 songs that there's no theme, just like we tried to make Jock Jams record. Right. And everything else a theme then from there, then you go wherever you want. Probably go to like Triangle of Success. Okay, and then so we'll end this podcast with Superstar, which is my song with you guys on Triangle of Success. Talk about Stonehenge. Peace. Yeah, now we're good. leaving. We are leaving. Let's do an ad break. No, we're doing a goodbye break. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Lars, you're beautiful. I'm glad I met you. You're a superstar, every one of you are, yeah, you're a superstar, every one of you are, come on and clap your hands, if you all agree, because each and every one of you's a superstar to me, you'll do great things, in neuroscience, you'll do amazing things, curing canker souls, you'll do cool
Everest. You'll probably do something. You're a superstar, you're gonna go real far. Fly an airplane or drive a sofa car. Scuba dive Atlantis with a robot brontosaurus. Open for Adele or clone a stegosaurus. You could be the president, you could be a lawyer. You could even write an awesome paper on Tom Sawyer. You could get a job with a 401k. Diversified stocks, we can cheddar every you're day. You're a superstar, every one of you are. Yeah, you're a superstar, every one of you are. Come on and clap your hands if you all agree. Because each and every one of you's a superstar. Superstar to me. You'll do great things in ceramic arts. You'll do amazing things like tracking butterflies. You'll do cool things like learning how to knit. You'll probably do some things. You're a superstar, you'll be great at sports. You're a Jedi, homie, you can use the force. You're a Minecraft champ with your own amiibo. You're Elon Musk in his gold gazebo. You're Azalea Banks on Hot 97. You could own a Starbucks or a 7-Eleven. Drinking Slurpees all day, drinking Slurpees all night. Drinking Slurpees for breakfast, yo, that would be you're tight. You're a superstar, every one of you are. Yeah, you're a superstar, every one of you are. Come on and clap your hands if you all agree. Because each and every one of you is a superstar. Yo, I just want to say that interview was tight, joyful, and very informative, and that all of you are superstars. Next week on the podcast, we have Rob Lanterman, who runs Hidden Home Records out of Boise, Idaho. And he's a young dude who played bass with uh, Big O back when Big O toured with a band. And Rob talks a lot about what it's like running an indie label now and printing tapes and CDs and just, I like his philosophy. I like him. He's a great guy. So check out next week, the Hidden Home Records interview with Rob and patreon.com slash Lars. Get shout out on the podcast. Thank you again for listening. I'll see you all soon. Have a great week. Thanks everyone. Bye.